fully step into it and know that you know you can be the most famous most successful most whatever person and you still have fear you still have doubts so the fact that you have these fears or doubts doesn't mean that this isn't meant for you this just means that this is part of the challenges of becoming that person Hi, I'm Kirsten Leo, and this is the Light Path Podcast, brought to you by thelightpathcollective.com. I am passionate about exploring energetic practices, spiritual principles, healing modalities, and connecting to the experience and wisdom of others to illuminate our paths and live at our greatest capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love. So why is faking it to make it such terrible advice? Today on the podcast, I am joined by Ifia Salter. Ifia is a mindset and manifestation coach, content creator, and podcast host of The Manifest Edit. Her mission is centered around empowering ambitious women to stop playing small and access their innate magic so that they can expand their current reality. Ifia's backstory is one of challenge and overcoming adversity. It's also one of deep self-reflection and creating a life that she is incredibly proud of. Now, Afia dedicates her life to empowering others to break out of the normal and into extraordinary using her signature vibes method for aligned manifestation. Check out the show notes to see all the ways you can connect with Afia. But for now, enjoy this thought-provoking chat. Afia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to launch into this conversation about, you know, why it's such bad advice to say kind of fake it till you make it. I think it's such an interesting angle and the work that you do plus your story. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for everyone. I can't wait to hear it, let alone for everyone else to hear it. But before we kick it off, I would love to welcome you with kind of getting a little into your psyche and to know what your favorite quote is. So honestly, I have so many quotes. And when I was younger, and this was like before the days that Pinterest existed. So I would like Google quotes and then print them out and cut them out and like stick them on my bedroom walls. So funny. <laughs> but, um, one of my favorite quotes Um it's actually commonly misattributed to F. Scott Fitzgerald. Like he gets all the good, he gets all the good quotes. But it's actually from Eric Roth, who wrote the screenplay to The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh. And the quote is, for what it's worth, it's never too late or in my case, too early to be whoever you want to be. There's no time limit. Stop whenever you want. You can change or stay the same. There are no rules to this thing. We can make the best of it or the worst of it. I hope you make the best of it. I hope you see things that startle you. I hope you feel things you've never felt before. I hope you meet people with a different point of view. I hope you live a life that you're proud of. And if you find that you're not, I hope you have the courage to start all over again. Love that. And I mean, I know very little of your backstory I do know, you know, what it is that you're gifting to the world in the work that you do, but how reflective is that quote of who you commit to be? Yeah, the first time I heard it, it was uh, someone was 
sharing it in a speech and she was crying and she was sharing it. I was like, this is amazing. I need to like repeat this to myself over and over again. It's so good. So good. So can you give us a little insight into who you are and how you came to this place of really helping other people live lives that are authentic and true to them, even if that means starting over again and again and again? I think often the work that we teach is, you know, is very entrenched with our own stories. So for me, the people that supported me in my life have made so much difference in my life. And so I was in the in and out of the care system really uh, until until I left to go to university. So first I was in foster care and then I was adopted at age three. And I had a really incredible life growing up in very, 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 very rural Scotland. I don't think people understand how rural I mean when I say. And although you, well, it depends where you're listening to the podcast, but you may not be able to see I'm, I'm a black woman. So growing up as a young black woman in rural Scotland, where it's you, your sister, and that's it, is mm. can be very confronting in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, from a very young age, I was interested in in discovering who I was and what it means to be someone who is adopted or in the care system. And it was something that my adoptive parent had always, you know, made us feel really special about, like, oh, we were chosen. Yeah, someone chose us. And um, unfortunately, my mom passed, passed away when I was 14 after suffering from a long-term illness. And mm-hmm. as she was a single parent, that meant that my sister, my brother and I were orphaned at that point in time. So obviously that's that's just something that you can never prepare yourself for or never expect. And even though she was ill for a really long time, I don't think we really fully knew what that meant. And so, you know, as a teenager from 14 to 18, I just wanted to have the same experiences that everyone else in school was having, like do all the things that they were doing. Because when I was like 12, 13, I was not like worrying about normal school things. I was like, oh no, I need to like run home from school bus, get my change of clothes, like run back out to get the bus to the hospital and have sleepovers at the hospital. Like I wasn't really doing a lot of normal teenage things. So now that my mom had passed away. I'm like, okay, I have to fit in with everyone else. I have to do what everyone else is doing. If I want to have the same opportunities as everyone else, I'm going to have to work harder than everyone else in order to be able to get them. And so having that normal life really did um, inspire a lot of the actions that I took, a lot of the beliefs and a lot of my thought systems. And in some ways it was helpful because it pushed me to, to really strive for things, to be incredibly ambitious. But at the same time, I was a lot of the time like living based on what someone else's dream was on what I felt like, oh, well, this is what the other kids are doing. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And anyway, you know, I did get into uni and I went on to study my master's actually. And it was during my master's year that I just kind of had this moment of, wait, is this even for me? Like, what am I doing? And it was very confronting, a huge period of depression depression and anxiety and coming out the other side of that discovering who I as a person was um, led me to some incredible changes in my life and moving from Scotland to Australia which is where I've been living for the past seven years now and for something that I thought oh I'm gonna live in Australia for a year and just like see where my head's at and then like another year another year okay I'm never leaving (laughs) and yeah so it has really been 
an ongoing journey, a journey that I'm still on because I think, you know, we're never just one person. We're constantly evolving. But the people who supported me from teachers to family, friends who helped me achieve all the goals I set out for myself and never made me feel like it was going to be more difficult, always made me feel like that they were going to be there on my side, supporting me in any way that they could. So when it came to my work, I knew that I wanted to support and help other people as well, particularly women, because I can empathize with that journey and a lot of the I think unique struggles that we face and trying to you know trying so hard to live up to these things that society has built for us maybe that, that even your family has has laid out for you and really just coming home to the truth of who you are and living authentically uh, and that I mean authenticity I, I believe is the only way that we can you know be happy or you know, really own what it is that we've created in a, in a sense because it aligns with the truth of who we are. I agree. And to add to that, I think you can live happily, unauthentically for a time, but mm. then at the back of your mind, you have that feeling like something is off and that will eat away at you. To be honest, in in my work, and I'm sure you see it in yours as well, I see clients in that state and so scared of what is on the other side, so, are so scared of what it would be like to actually even admit what is authentically true to them, let alone live it, that they will stay stuck in that for their lives. And to me, that's one of the biggest heartbreaks I see, not, you know, when someone breaks up with you, not when even someone dies. To me, it's like, oh, there's just that such a block or such resistance because of the fear to authenticity. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I love this whole idea that you have, and it just, as soon as I heard you say it, it pricked my ears and interest so much. I love a little outlandish statement. So that being that faking it till you make it is really terrible advice. Why? You know, I think it goes back to what we literally were just discussing about living authentically. And while I think the phrase faking it till you make it is said with good intentions, as as often a lot of things are, what it really means when we internalize is it can take on, is this, this expression, take on legs, and then it just becomes something completely different. So while you're like, oh yes, I can just like fake it if I don't feel like I can be that person yet, also, at the same time, you are continually affirming to yourself on a on a daily, more than daily basis that I'm faking it, I'm faking it, I'm not the person who I want to be, I'm not living up to who I want to be. And it's actually continuing to perpetuate that imposter syndrome instead of making it go away. So how have you seen people get trapped in the faking it till you make it energy? Like what's a practical I guess, manifestation of this or representation of this? Well, number one, I definitely witnessed it in my own life. So I've always been in school and university, a massive overachiever. And partly that was due to, you know, not growing up with parents. It's like I would get that validation from teachers and, you know, obviously you get the validation when you're doing well. So I'm like, I have to do better than well. Mm. I have to do everything. And I would always put myself forward for all of these opportunities. And one thing that I had put myself forward for in university was the opportunity to go intern in the US for three months. And out of a thousand people that applied, a hundred people would be picked to go on these incredible once in a lifetime type internships. 
And so I put myself forward for this. And then I get down to, I think it's like there's four different stages and I got down to the third stage and you have to write your bio and I'm looking at all the bio of the past, all the past people. And I'm like, oh my goodness, these are like superhumans. These are like incredible people. These are amazing people. And I'm not one of them. Like I felt like I didn't fit in at all, but actually like I was also one of these people that I was like looking up to and feeling like was so different from me. And so putting yourself like, or even other people on a pedestal is really taking away from that innate magic that you have within you. And it's something that I see within my clients as well as like, so often downplaying their achievements and particularly for women who are high achievers, ambitious people, you just like have it as like, oh yeah, that's just like normal. These are just like, and you just don't really realize how much you were doing which again is something that just like kind of leads you into that major burnout because you're like, oh, more and more and more. And you don't realize the immense amount of stress that you're putting on yourself. So identifying, first of all, like where you have those limiting thoughts about being an imposter and addressing those rather than just like covering over it and glossing over it and feeling like, okay, well, if I just fake it one day, I'm going to feel like it. What's the antidote to this? Because so I, I think it's great to have people to look up to. And uh, so how do we not step over into that, like, uh, replication instead of inspiration and counterbalance that fake it till you make it type vibe? So there are a couple of things. Number one, you need to be really in tune with your own feelings and your own emotions, because as much as someone can advise you, you know, they don't really know what's going on in your internal world. So you know the difference between like, oh, I'm looking up to this person and inspiring and they're inspiring me to I'm looking up to this person and it's not making me feel very good about myself. And then if it is on that, it's not making me feel very good about itself, then you need to dive into those limiting beliefs and see like, okay, well, where is this actually coming from? How can I move through this? And for a lot of people, what they may find is that the limiting beliefs that they hold, the limiting stories that they hold were never theirs to begin with. So they've been holding on to this limiting thought, limiting story, passing it off as their own, but then they've realized this whole time it was never theirs. I'm not sure if you've heard this story and it's about a Christmas ham and um, they, they're cooking this Christmas ham and the the daughter asks her mom like why she cut the edges off the Christmas ham she's like oh well, that's how it's done because my mom used to cut the edges of the Christmas ham it's just what you have to do and she asks her mom about it because her daughter wants to know and she's like oh it just didn't fit in the oven dish that I got at the time so that's why I would like cut the edges off so this whole you know it's like yeah. how things get passed down so so easily um, and it, it can be done so simply so one of the things is to identify those limiting beliefs and thoughts and the other thing is to step into being the person who you already are instead of faking it become the person that you want to be step into that role now like if you want to be a business owner so something I see a lot in the MySpace is people will be like I'm an aspiring coach like tell me if you're a client are you going to want to work with someone that says they're an aspiring coach really <laughs> no you're not like so I'm not saying like just go out and coach people with absolutely no experience but I'm saying say you're a coach and then go get what training what experience that you need to get to, to make that the reality and I, and like you hear that a lot with I'm an aspiring musician. I'm like if you if you've got an instrument, you can like everyone's a musician, you know. Like what what are you aspiring to, or what? And I think that that leads back to um, there was an episode I did a while ago on the podcast all about detaching from outcome, and that leads to the outcome will define 
uh, whether I've achieved that or not, or whether or not I can claim that. So I'm going to fake it till I make it. So it's all outcome based rather than, no, it's about becoming, you just step into that. You just expand into the essence of, and the ownership of whatever that thing is that you're desiring. Yeah, that's absolutely it. Is you just have to fully step into it and know that, you know, you can be the most famous, most successful, most whatever person, and you still have fear, you still have doubts. So the fact that you have these fears or doubts doesn't mean that this isn't meant for you. This just means that this is part of the challenges of becoming that person. Yeah, for sure. And I love that whole concept of just expanding into it, just be it. I'm I'm aspiring to be anything. Just be it. And it goes, uh, I think it's Mel Robbins. She talks about, you know, no one's no one's coming. And I and I talk about this all the time with with my work. And people would say still to this day, say to me all the time, how did you know that you could do what you could do? How did you know you could read for people? And it's like, well, I was actually told by someone, but then like when it came to doing it, I just had to do it. And I cannot to this day explain to you how I do it. I just trust it. I just do it. And it's never felt like faking it. It's felt like surrendering Mm. the truth of it. Like stepping into your light. I love it. So I know you and I, we are very much on the same page when it comes to the pop culture, you know, rhetoric around manifestation you do talk about yourself as a manifestation coach so I would just love to hear what manifesting really does actually mean to you and how you work with that concept of manifestation with your clients to me the concept of manifestation is about bringing something into your 3d reality So we can all have wishes and hopes and dreams of what we would like to have happen. But the actual process in between of the belief work, the thought work, and very importantly, the actions that you're taking, all of that is under the umbrella of manifestation. And I want to add here that I'm talking about the process of bringing something into your 3D reality, not the outcome of bringing something into your 3D reality. So you can still be manifesting whether or not it appears in your 3D reality or not, which I think is something that a lot of people trip over. Like, oh, it didn't happen in my timeline. It's never going to happen or I'm doing something wrong. Can we just do away with timelines? (laughs) Yeah, I think we're so like 2D, you know, sometimes. I think it's, you know, we have to um, examine a lot of our own thoughts and belief systems, but it's also like a lot of societal belief systems and structures that we're peeling back the layers of and realizing that, oh, this this structure doesn't actually support me in the way that I was told that it would. So while it can be helpful to set timelines on your goal, so it's not just like, a oh, yeah, one day in the future. Mm. Um, it helps anchor you in also like your goals are not trees you can pick them up and move them and adjust them you might even change your mind and be like I thought I wanted to create this in my life but you know what now that I've had more experience this isn't something that I want or something that I see people going down the road of and and a couple of my friends is like okay I've manifested this person into my life he's like my my dream partner and then they're (laughs) actually in your life for a couple of months and they're like this guy isn't the one but I manifested my dream 
partner so I have to hold on to him he's like no you don't <laughs> get rid of him um so you, know, I, I, like, I, you can I, change I, your that, mind that concept alone I think that's when the whole thing I manifested a partner that one gets my goat the most like you didn't manifest another person they already existed like yeah I sorry think- sis you are not that powerful <laughs> I think it's really wrapping your head around the concept that everything does already exist in in the world, right? We're not creating something that's never been brought to this planet before. It's about how you are changing your perspectives on reality and also actioning your reality. So for example, a lot of people, when they talk about manifesting love, it's like, well, no, you're not actually manifesting someone out of thin air. You're doing a lot of self-concept work. You're maybe actually getting on a dating app, actually going on dates. So I have seen, especially with a kind of younger audience, and this is something that I do find quite challenging to deal with. And I have spoken about on TikTok before. And I got loads of angry hate comments about it, where people are like, how can I manifest my ex back? I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, And a lot of people have this misconception that they're kind of like magically bringing them back from the ether or like magically making their current partner disappear. And I'm like, that's not really what's happening. And if you feel like you can't have a conversation with this person about like, I think we should give it another go. I think we should try again. Then I don't think that you're like emotionally ready to be in a relationship with that person again. But a lot of people don't want to hear that. And that doesn't sound as sexy to say on TikTok. So, And a lot of people don't because people I think are... I'm going to say people don't want to do the work, but I'll say people are intimidated by the work because if you do the work, if you have to admit, oh, the fact that I'm just wishing and hoping and casting spells um, or whatever it is people are doing, um, it it does indicate that you're actually, you're right. You're not mature enough to have an honest, open, authentic conversation about what it is that you desire and want and what you feel would be really the best and most expansive thing for you both. Um, but what did people say on TikTok? <laughs> They're like, yes, I, I can. I can get him back. I just need to say his name this many times. I'm like, oh, oh stop okay. it. Like, I just need to whisper into his ear while he's sleeping. I'm like, oh. That only works when you want someone to buy you something and you can whisper <laughs> into their phone because... Elon Musk or whoever owns the phones here. Oh, yeah. No, they're talking about like this person isn't even like the same room. They're just talking about imagining like, you know, there are a lot of um, manifestation trends and fads. And I do think in some areas, you know, love is always one of the number one things that people want to manifest. And I think it can be playing on people's insecurities if you're not very delicate about the way that you support people with that. So I would never advertise myself as someone who helps people manifest love but if my clients come to me and they're like I want to work on my existing relationships or I want to have a partner in my life then we're looking at so many different things outside of that actual other person we're looking at their self-concept we're looking at the way that they treat themselves we're looking at how loving their relationship is with themselves and those are the things we're working on rather than like okay this is what you're going to do to secretly get him back or this is what you're going to do to secretly get a partner like it's such a and then I don't know about other people, but for me, like when I think about relationships, I want to have like such a conscious and open and honest relationship that I just wouldn't want to create it any other way. Yeah, well, you start as you mean to continue for sure. My favorite take on manifestation has always been Wayne Dyer's, where he talked about manifestation. 
is not having more. Manifestation is being more. So if we continue down that love road and the whole concept of fake it till you make it. Now, I've actually applied this. So once I um, came across a person and immediately felt this connection, this like it was undeniable. However, probably within two seconds of that, um, I thought he was married. So within two seconds of that, I went, oh, I wonder what his life, wife is like. And I thought, because what kind of woman can hold his energy? So it wasn't me faking it till I could make it to be with him. The object wasn't him, but the object was curiosity about how much more I could be. And if that was something that I was attracted to, I wonder what would complement that because clearly he was just a representation of what I desired for myself. And then the faking it to you make it didn't come about imposter syndrome trying to be something I wasn't. It was about the enjoyment of the exploration of all the things that I desired to be and what life was kind of educating me on and opening my eyes to in the ways in which I wanted to be in that relationship. Mm. What what ended up happening? Turned out he was not married and oh. I'm so not sharing what happened publicly. <laughs> I say this a lot, like I share a lot of private stuff, um, but I also have to protect that person too. So, okay, okay, we'll just we'll tuck it away later. <laughs> we can talk about <laughs> it when we start recording. Um, what would you really, you know, if you had to leave us with something, what would you really like us to know about our ability to grow, to change, and to evolve, um, and explore that process? Yeah, I think it is building on what you said about Wayne Dyer, about, you know, it's not having more, it's being more. Because one of the things that I always impress upon my clients is that to manifest your extraordinary life, you have to see yourself as an extraordinary person. And people think like, oh, that means I need to go out and do all these incredible things. No, it means that you need to like witness where you're not already seeing yourself in, as being extraordinary in all of these areas. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about things like, gratitude list and being grateful and so often it's oh I'm grateful for this person I'm grateful for this I'm grateful for this but it's never I'm grateful for myself I'm so incredible I'm proud of myself and you know those kind of conversations and I think the more that we can step into our light and step into who we truly are not only are we inspiring others to show up as themselves fully but we are paving the way for our own futures and I think there's something so beautiful and powerful about that especially as we're continuing to evolve I I love that I just want to repeat it witness yourself witness yourself in all your darkness and all your light because how quick are we to witness ourselves in the shame and the frustration and the lack and how powerful would it be actually I'm going to challenge everyone listening to this for the next seven days write in your journal what you witnessed about yourself, that is amazing. That is phenomenal. And see where you land in seven days. Head over to the Facebook community group and comment there. I think that's a really fun weekly, week-long challenge or week-long exploration. I hate the word challenge. Week-long exploration that, you know, we can all be a part of, of witnessing the light of self. Beautiful. You have to join. Yes. And I um well I actually don't use Facebook anymore, but in spirit I will be there. 
and I think what you mentioned there sorry what you mentioned there about witnessing yourself in not just like the the positive the positive emotions but in inverted commas the negative emotions as well like oh I had a really hard day and I made it through or jealousy came up and I allowed myself to sit with that feeling like that there's something incredible about that too so powerful so where can people find you work with you follow along with what it is that you are doing so I have a podcast, the Manifest Edit podcast that you can check out. I am on social media, Fiasalter underscore. And I also have a free masterclass on the power of subconscious manifestation, which goes into more about the limiting thoughts and stories and powers of our own mind from like a scientific as well as strategic perspective that you can check out by heading to fiasalter.com forward slash freebie. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for this awesome provocation. Um, I love it. And I think it just, you know, distills that pop culture or that rhetoric that we hear, we don't really think about. So thanks for allowing us to think a little deeper about ourselves. You're so welcome. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Light Path Podcast. I hope that the information shared here has helped illuminate your path. Be sure to check out the show notes for links related to this episode. While you're there, remember to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. I'm Kirsten Leo, and I can't wait to explore and expand our capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love together in the next episode.